I want to invite you tonight to take your Bibles once again. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew, chapter 1. Matthew, chapter 1. And we're going to look at just not necessarily just the account of Jesus and his birth, but rather the, uh, the foretelling or the prophecy the, that, uh, that was told to Joseph in regard to Christ and his coming. And I want to just kind of set the scene here for you a little bit, um, because sometimes we get kind of wrapped up in the, in the details of the events as they're taking place. But if we forget the historical setting of everything that had been taking place, we, we miss some things. Because if you, just kind of backing up, you, you look at the, uh, the history of the nation of Israel, for instance, and the fact that God's working uh, on earth for hundreds of years, uh, at this point, even thousands of years, really was uh, there among the, the Jewish people, the nation that descended from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But uh, because of their rebellion against the Lord, he had allowed them to be carried away into captivity, and, and uh, they didn't have everything that they once had, but he had brought them back to their land, and they had kind of restored uh, the worship of the Lord uh, there in Jerusalem, and they were going about uh, the, the, the service of the Lord, but really without the, the relationship, if I can put it that way. In fact, by the time uh, Jesus comes on the scene, it, it had been about 400 years, really, since God had been speaking to them by prophets, and, 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 and they're just, there was, they, they were serving God, but there was no real connection, if I can put it that way, for generations. And now, if we were to read Luke chapter 1, uh, not very long before this instance, the, the, the Lord spoke to a man by the name of Zacharias that uh, and, and told him that he was going to have a son, John the Baptist, would be born. And now, Mary, this young virgin, finds herself, though she's a spouse to a husband, Joseph, she finds herself with child, though she's never known a man. She's uh, pregnant, expecting. And it says in verse number 18 of Matthew chapter 1, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise... When, his, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. In other words, if you can imagine, if you're engaged to be married to someone and you have not been together in, in a physical way, and, and that woman then all of a sudden is expecting a child. Obviously, the only reasonable conclusion is that she's been unfaithful, and uh, this was something that was, was not only frowned upon societally, but it was against the law, God's law, and the consequences were severe. But Joseph was trying to do the right thing by her and was just going to kind of uh, you know, sweep it under the rug a little bit and just part ways. But verse number 20, it says, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, 
and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Now, to us, the name Jesus is very familiar. We associate that with one individual, and it's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth. However, the name Jesus uh, in this time was, was actually a fairly common name, but it was a name that was common because of its significance and its meaning. And the name literally means God is salvation, or the Lord is our salvation. And so his name is to be called, the Lord is our salvation. And then he gives the reason, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying... Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now we have two names for this baby that's being born. The Lord is our salvation and God with us. Then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name, the Lord is our salvation. He called his name Jesus. And so we have this historical record of what took place, the fulfillment of a promise. And, and I just want to just consider for just a few moments with you the significance of the coming of Christ. Really, the significance of the coming of Christ did not start when the angel came to Mary and told her that she would be with child. That's not, that wasn't the beginning of this amazing and wonderful and historic event. In fact, biblically speaking, we find this promise being given all the way back at the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis. And I want to just go there with you, if you would please. Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis 3, we read the account of Adam and Eve disobeying God, eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the result of that. Do you remember that God had told them back uh, in, in chapter number uh, one, he, he told them uh, that if, if, if they ate of the tree, of the fruit of that tree, that they, in the, in the day that they ate thereof, they would surely die. And by the way, that's exactly what happened. Death entered the picture in that instant. They died spiritually and were separated from God, and there were there were great consequences that would come as a result of that. But in Genesis 3, in verse number 14, it says, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. You see, the first promise 
uh, or the first time this promise was given, was it was actually given by God to our greatest enemy, the devil, Satan, the serpent. And this was the promise, that the one who came and brought the temptation and led mankind into sin would ultimately de be defeated by a descendant of Eve. Isn't that incredible? All the way back in Genesis, when mankind fell, God said, I have a solution for this, and it's coming. He will bruise your head. In other words, he will triumph. He will get the victory over Satan and over sin. Now, the promise was given back in Genesis. And actually, all throughout the Bible, we find the promise stated several times. For instance, in the book of Deuteronomy, we find that Moses said that a, 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 the, the Lord will raise up a prophet like unto me. And he was speaking of a Messiah that would come. We read in, uh, in, in, in the, the prophets, for instance, in Isaiah, and we'll turn there in just a few moments, that, that there would be a son that would be given, that, that, that someone would come as a deliverer, as a savior. And throughout the, the Old Testament, we find pictures and types of this Messiah that would come. For instance, in Exodus, we find that, that situation of the Passover lamb there in Egypt, that as his blood, the, the blood of that lamb would be shed and placed upon the doorposts, that the, the angel of death would pass over that house. And that great statement by the Lord, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. We still sing that song, a hymn about that today because of the truth that those of us who know Christ, we have the blood of Christ applied to us and the death angel, that, that, uh, the, the consequence for our sin, if you will, is no longer a threat to us because we have eternal life through him. We, we find so many different pictures and types and promises that the Messiah would come, that a deliverer would come and set everything straight that had been messed up because of sin. And yet it wasn't for about another 4,000 years from the time that the promise was made until it was fulfilled. Think about that. 4,000 years, that's a lot of history. That's a lot of generations. That's a lot of lives. People being born and dying. Lives being messed up because of sin. And, and, and the world... For 4,000 years awaited the fulfillment of the promise. Meanwhile being under the curse of sin and death. And so imagine with me if you would. Just how glorious it would have been. For Mary and Joseph. And those who actually understood what was taking place in Jesus being born. Imagine with me the excitement that would have come in knowing that the deliverer that we have been waiting for since the beginning of time has come. 
He is coming to us. I want to just go forward a little bit to the book of Isaiah, if you would. Isaiah chapter number 7. I told you that Isaiah prophesied of this Messiah coming. But in Isaiah 7 and verse number 14, I want you to know it says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name God with us. Then go over to Isaiah 9, just a page or two forward. Isaiah 9 and verse number 6, very familiar verse, and often quoted around this time of the year. Verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and and, uh, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. One day a deliverer is going to come, Israel. That's going to set all of this straight. Everything that has been messed up because of sin, all of the, all of the burdens that you're carrying, the separation between you and God, there is going to come one. He's going to be born of a virgin. And his name is going to be called Emmanuel, God with us. This isn't just a man, this is God in the flesh coming to set things straight. Matthew chapter 1, Jesus came. It was fulfilled. And so what what is so great about this? Let's go back to Matthew 1. I want to show you two things very quickly. Two reasons that the birth of Christ is worth celebrating. Two reasons that the birth of Christ is worth celebrating. First of all, the birth of Christ is worth celebrating because it's a reminder that God keeps his promises. It's a reminder that God keeps his promises. Look at verse uh, 22. Well, let's back up to verse 21. Of Matthew 1, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. That's a direct quote of Isaiah 7, 14 that we read just a moment ago. And it says that all this was done that it might be fulfilled. God did this because he said he would and he fulfilled the promise that he made. Do You know, it's worth celebrating and knowing that God keeps his promises. Even though it took some time for this to come to fruition and come to be, and I'm sure that along the way there were many doubters Many people who probably said, well, maybe we misunderstood. Maybe that promise wasn't really uh, to be taken literally. 
Maybe this was something that was just kind of, uh, you know, some figurative uh, lesson or illustration that we were supposed to learn something from, but it wasn't a, a literal promise. It couldn't have been. Why? Because here we are, hundreds of years after the promise was made, and we still haven't seen it fulfilled. But there came a day when God did just that. And by the way, the, the prophecy that we read in Isaiah 9, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, that prophecy, half of that prophecy has been fulfilled in Christ's coming the first time. The second half of that promise remains uh, unfulfilled. We're still awaiting that. Because it says that of the increase of his government, his kingdom, there shall be no end. That he'll, that he'll rule, that he'll reign from the throne of David. And by the way, that has not yet come to pass. And there are people that even today say, well, that promise that was made by God must not have been literal because it hasn't happened yet. No, no, no. Listen, God keeps his promises. And just as Jesus came the first time, taking upon him the form of flesh and coming in the likeness of man and coming as a servant, you can be sure that he will come again. What did Jesus say in John chapter 14? He said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. I'm thankful that we can be reminded that God keeps his promises. He kept his promise in sending Jesus the Savior of the world, the Deliverer. But he'll keep it again when Christ returns. God keeps his promises. That's the first thing. But secondly, I want to say to you that we ought to celebrate the coming of Christ to earth because it's a reminder that there is an answer, there is a solution for our sin problem. He said in verse number 21 again, he shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, the Lord our salvation, for he shall save his people from their sins. And that really is the reason Jesus came, isn't it? Jesus himself said that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came not to just live a good life and set an example for us. He came to bear our sins and to go to the cross and, and to die in our place, to pay for our redemption, our salvation. He came as our deliverer. So what we celebrate at this time of year is really not just a, a baby in a manger or a neat story about a family that was started at you know humble beginnings and the shepherds coming and worshiping this baby. No, what we celebrate is the fact that our God literally stepped down from his throne into this world. Think about that. Jesus, the Son of God, at the right hand of the Father, stepped into this world and took upon him flesh like yours and mine, was tempted in all points like as we are, faced trials and tribulations and difficulties, just like we are, yet without sin, lived a sinless life and went to the cross for us to pay for our sins. 
And one more place I want to take you tonight, Romans chapter number 5. Romans chapter 5. From the time that Adam and Eve sinned, death entered into the world and death had dominion. There was separation from God. Sin destroyed the world. I mean, it brought a curse literally upon the earth. And it says here in verse number 8 of Romans 5, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That's Genesis 3 that we just read. Sin entered in the world by one man, Adam. His, his sin plunged the world into sin. And, and, and the result of sin is death, and death then had authority and dominion over the earth. Verse 13, for until, until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Look down, if you would, to verse number 19. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, Jesus came to solve the problem that man created because of our sin. And every one of us has is, is no different than Adam. We, being born into sin, have also chosen sin. And that sin has brought separation between us and God and has brought death, not just physical death, but spiritual death. The Bible speaks of a second death that will take place on Judgment Day when those who are without Christ will be cast into the lake of fire. This is the result of our sin. And folks, without Christ, we would be utterly hopeless. But Jesus came as the fulfillment of God's promise. Not just to be born in a manger, but to go to a cross and reconcile us to God by his sacrifice. Truly, he was born to die for our sins. And folks, it's worth celebrating. 
To know that God keeps his promises and that he has made a way of salvation so that we can be forgiven of our sins, delivered from our sins, set free, restored to fellowship with God and to have the promise of eternal life. And can I just challenge you, if you're here tonight and you do not have the assurance of eternal life, why not seek it and find it in Jesus alone? He is life. And in him, the Bible says, is life eternal. And he offers eternal life to all who will come to God the Father by him. If you will simply accept and receive the gift that he gave through shedding his blood, eternal life. He's promised that by faith you can receive him and receive his life, his eternal life that he offers. So there is a reason to celebrate at Christmas. And it's really not just about having more family time or time with friends or, you know, being more charitable. All of those things are good. But the reason we celebrate is because of Christ and who he is and what he came to do. Truly, everything that we do here as a church is all about Christ and what he did for us. And uh, I hope that tonight, as this is the, the eve of Christmas, when we celebrate the birth of Christ, that we would consider what life was like 2,000 years ago before Christ was born, as a world lied in dar- was, was lying in darkness, waiting for a promise to be fulfilled. Keep that in mind tonight, and thank God for the fulfillment of that promise that Christ came and there is salvation in him and him alone neither is there salvation in any other Acts 4:12 says for there's salvation in no other than Jesus Christ there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved Jesus Christ the fulfilled promise of God